Dan Kimball is the author of several books on leadership, church, and culture. He's on staff at Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz, California, and he's also on faculty with Western Seminary, and he leads the Regeneration Project, which is encouraging theology and mission to be part of younger generations' lives and churches. He loves comic art, Ford Mustangs, and punk and rockabilly music. His passion is to see the church and Christians follow and represent Jesus in the world with love, intelligence, and creativity. Dan, thanks so much for being on Takeaways. Yes, and greetings from Santa Cruz, California. Hey, man, I, I bet the weather's great up there. You know, somebody has to suffer through that stuff. Yeah, well, it's uh, it gets colder than down where you are, but it's really beautiful here for sure. The beach, beach town for those that don't know it. Well, Dan, I, I can't wait to talk about your book, How Not to Read the Bible, Making Sense of the Anti-Women anti-science, pro-violence, pro-slavery, and other crazy-sounding parts of Scripture. But before we get into your book, how in the world did you become a follower of Christ? Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in New Jersey and grew up right near New York City and was not a Christian growing up. And it wasn't until I went to Colorado State University and I was there, typical student, and these Christian groups on campus hand out little pamphlets at the beginning of the year. And I got a little pamphlet just browsing the tables, and it was the, the claim that Jesus was the only way to God. And I had no, no friends that were pressuring me to become a Christian or parents or anything. And that question was so haunting, thinking that Christians believe that they're the only way to God and you're thinking of all of the other world religions. I just started researching. Where did the Bible come from? What, uh, it, could this be true? If it's true, then I wanted to believe it. And so for me, it was kind of a quest of trying to figure things out that way. And uh, eventually, I was in a band, I was in punk and rockabilly music, and this is actually an important part, was that my friends weren't Christians, and there was one particular day that I came home, and they got all quiet. And I remember like, what's going on? And they said they're worried about me, because they started seeing me buying Christian books, and I had a Bible. And they were worried, like, am I joining a cult? Am I going to change? Am I going to become, one person said, like, homogeneous? Or are you just going to be praying for Armageddon to happen? And all of these different things. And my question was, like, is, how do I know they're not true? It's not true. Is Christianity a cult? How do I not know? And so it was kind of a, a continual research, figure things out research. And then quickly, the band I was in moved to London, England after he graduated college to play. And I was walking by a tiny little elderly church. There's about 15, 20 elderly people. And that church befriended me, took me under their wing. And it was during that time period I put faith in Jesus when I understood the gospel. That's so great. I love, I love hearing stories of how God turns people's worlds upside down. And he does it so differently uh, with, with different people, uh, myself included. Now, once you became a follower of Christ, how did you then come to this place where you said, these are the kinds of people that I want to serve? I want to talk about these kinds of things and really devote my life to this. You know, again, my conversion story was through uh, wonderfully elderly people. They were in their 80s. And they were intelligent and kind. They didn't judge me for my haircut, what I was wearing at the time. And they were very thoughtful. And I do remember that when, because if, if the scriptures are true, and I believe they're true, and then I'm like, people got to know this. You've talked to a lot of young people on Christian campuses and, and even within churches. And, and did you find that people 
that you were talking to in the younger generations were familiar with the Bible and what it had to say and its truth claims, or not so much? I think the church used to battle with younger people relevant, you know, relevant music, relevant preaching, relevant decor. And today it's not relevance. We've caught up in relevance. It is now, uh, the, the scriptures are not even seen as the good book. They're seen more and more as an evil book and divisive and toxic. And, and that's a big change that I've personally experienced and watched, especially with younger people's understanding of Christianity. You, you wrote a book called How Not to Read the Bible. Um, what, what caused you to take that negative approach toward reading the Bible? Yep, because the Bible is being used to disprove the Bible by non-Christians. You know, so, it's a, it, again, I keep saying it's a change. When you're in ministry for so long in the same place, you see cycles and trends. And the latest trend that has developed is really alarming because it's hitting at a point where a lot of young people don't know the Bible, even if they grew up in good churches. And, uh, and then from that, What's been occurring is it started with the, the atheists and not, as you know, not all atheists are bad people. There's a small percentage that are the atheist activists that are out trying to disprove the Bible and, and spread word against Christianity. From that group, it's then seeped into pop culture through TikTok and all of these other areas. And what's happening now is the scriptures are being used against the scriptures to say, if you really read the Bible, you will become atheist. That's kind of a mantra mm. saying like, if you really knew there's slavery in the Bible, there's anti-women verses in the Bible, there's all of this violence in the Bible. If you really read the Bible, you will then become atheist because you couldn't possibly believe in a God like that. That would be a very hateful, condemning, horrible God. And it's catching a lot of younger Christians off guard because they haven't really read the Bible. So that's what's going on, and that motivated me to write this book, because there are answers. But we have to then look at how to read the Bible and how not to, because a lot of the criticisms of the Bible are pulling verses out of context and then putting them on creative memes or short TikTok videos and confusing a lot of people. And I've got six kids, and I know just what you're talking about with these TikTok videos and these Instagram posts and all, all of these memes, and it's just coming like a flood. The, the subtitle of your, of your book can't be ignored, uh, and I'm quoting here, making sense of the anti-women, anti-science, pro-violence, pro-slavery, and other crazy-sounding parts of Scripture. Why do you think this is now becoming the, the, the tactic against people who believe the Bible? Uh, why use the Bible against the Bible? Yeah, because the Bible is filled, in the, you know, the subtitle, with some crazy-sounding things. And I, 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 so I think you know, like I, I 100% believe in the full inspiration of God, the authority in the Scriptures. So, I mean, I take the Bible with me everywhere I go. It's, it's, it's um, uh, critical uh, to know God's Word in the Scriptures, fully inspired. However, what's happening that's different today is because so many people have don't know the Bible, yeah, and then it's pulling things out that are saying, "Look, the scriptures hate women. Look at these Bible verses that are hateful against women. Look at the Bible verses that are endorsing slavery. Look at the, all of the violence in the scriptures, and it's catching so many younger people off guard because they've never really read it through. A typical story: there's a university student, grew up in a church, was in the worship band, great involvement in the church, positive church, good music, all of those things we've caught up in cultural relevance. 
However, he gets to UCSC, the university here in town. He's serving in leadership of a parachurch ministry on campus. He's studying the book of Exodus. And for the first time, he's wrestling with these questions. I didn't realize that God was endorsing slavery and a dad selling his daughter into slavery in the scriptures. I didn't realize that, you know, we recoil back in horror that Herod killed the two years old and younger in Bethlehem, but God killed the firstborn of the Egyptians. How does that make sense? And he started reading these verses. Then he goes online and he finds a plethora of all of these anti, I mean, Bible verses. There's a website called evilbible.com and he found that website. And then it's just filled with all of the negative stuff in the Bible pulled out and focused on catching many younger people off guard. You were uh, questioned by someone who said, uh, what is the Bible's position on unicorns? Uh, How did you answer that question and and navigate that conversation? It's seeping into pop culture. It's not just arguments within the Christian church or just within atheists. It's It's happening in pop culture. My barber is not a Christian. And one, and he knows I'm a Christian. And one day I go in there and he just says, I didn't know there's unicorns in the Bible. And I'm like, I didn't either. Where are you reading this? And he said he found some memes that list unicorns, like, and the, the word unicorn listed multiple times. And then it's seen as mockery. It's on Pinterest and Instagram and different places. Like, look, you Christians, read your Bibles. You believe in unicorns. Sure enough, you'll see Bible verses with the word unicorn listed and it looks like we're being made fun of and we're being mocked because it's actually showing Bible verses. My, my non-Christian barber who's not searching things out, he found this because it's becoming so common to see. And that's an easy one. That was simply a mistranslation in 1611 when they didn't know what word to use and it was a one-horned animal. They, uh, in that particular translation, they used the word English word unicorn we have different meaning of what that word means. Normally now you'll see it translated as wild oxen because there were wild oxen at that time with a prominent single horn. So that's probably what it was talking about. But it's really easy to just grab a Bible verse, slap it up with images, and, and now my barber, who's not a Christian, sees things like this. That's why it's spreading so quickly because of I mean, social media and all these different places where criticism of the Bible is happening at a major alarming rate. In many ways, it's good because it forces Christians to say, what do I believe? And then it's really bad if Christian, younger Christians especially have their faith undermined as a result. If I were the devil and I wanted to just destroy all of Western civilization and the family and the church and our code of ethics and morality, I would go to one thing, and that is the Bible. I would want to undermine the Bible, undermine its credibility, mock it, and just shred it. And that's what we're seeing happen today. Dan, when we come back, I'd love for you to share with us about some of the internet's top criticisms of the Bible and how your book addresses them. You guys, you're not gonna wanna miss this. We're back with Dan Kimball, author of How Not to Read the Bible. So Dan, we were talking about TikTok videos and memes that that, uh, are telling people that if they read the Bible, they'll become atheists. And they're using misapplied Bible verses to critique and undermine the Bible. Here's here's some examples. Um, These memes will say that the Bible is anti-women. It's misogynistic. 
How do we correct that misunderstanding? Yeah, what's going on is you'll see a meme with a woman and her mouth is taped shut uh, or worse. There's like really uh, horrifically depicted uh, memes of video uh, of women. Then what happens is uh, you'll see a verse like 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34, the Bible verse put right under the image with her, of the woman with her mouth taped shut. And the Bible verse will then say, women be silent. It is a disgrace for a woman to speak up in the church. She must go home and ask her husband questions then. So you see the image, an actual Bible verse, and of course that is going to be very confusing sounding, alarming, and seeing it pulled out with a graphic image is then confusing. That's how not to read the Bible. Don't just read a Bible verse in isolation. Always be asking who is it written to and why, what was going on in the context. Uh, understand genre, all of those normal things, and you'll see a verse like that, that actually was written around, it's written to the Corinthian church around the year AD 55. Um, what you have to understand was the posture of learning at that time was to actually be quiet until you'd be learning more. It was not a slam directly against women to be actually quiet all of the time in churches, because three chapters earlier in the same letter, Paul writes to, for women to be prophesying and praying. So it can't mean literally, like, just be quiet with your mouth taped shut and don't speak up. But what is happening is people are seeing these, and in a time, this is really important, a time where there's a lot of pressure, especially on younger people, if you're a Christian, you are hateful. You know, your God hates women. Your God is anti all of these things. It makes it more conducive for a, Christ, a younger Christian to say, maybe I can't believe this, there are really reasons. So again, the Bible is so pro-women, Phoebe, Deborah, Miriam, hold it, like all of these, all of these super positive things about women, but people are taking little verses and then trying to make a case against the scriptures from isolated verses like that. Context is always the king when it comes to understanding what Bible verses mean. And, and when we're talking about the ancient culture uh, where women and children were degraded and they were marginalized, there's nothing in all of ancient history that elevated the dignity and value of women than the Bible itself. And uh, I'm so glad that you've got a book that is explaining this to people. Here's another one. Uh, how about the memes that talk about the Bible being in favor of slavery? The Bible itself is 100% anti-slavery, the way we think of slavery, slave trading, you know, uh, kidnapping against their will. Exodus 21 verse 16 condemns by death someone that kidnaps someone for slavery against their will. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 condemns slavery. When you look at that worldview in the Old Testament, it was not what we think of slavery. It was a different form. It was people that were selling themselves to someone else for labor to get out of debt. Um, it might have been a family selling themselves into labor to someone else to avoid poverty or their daughters going into prostitution or something like that. So the Old Testament was an entirely different world. Then you look at the New Testament, and it wasn't race-based like we think. 30% of the, the Roman population around that time period were what we would call, think of as slaves. But again, it could be a doctor, a lawyer, someone selling themselves um, for, a, for you know, their, their vocation into a family of some sort. It was not kidnapped against their will slavery like we think of. The Bible condemns that. 
And then we'll see in the New Testament the trajectory of when when people were becoming followers of Jesus and saying all people are equal before God, you'll see that as the start of the movement to abolish kidnapped slavery. There are reasonable answers for all of these kind of questions. Absolutely, Dan. Uh, There absolutely are. I'm so glad that you're pointing them out to us. And when I think of the Bible, the only pro-slavery verses I want to point to are where I myself have voluntarily come in humble repentance to become a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, a servant of the Most High God. And uh, there's nothing else that I would want to be than walking in step with Him. Hey, here's another difficult one. Uh, How about the verses that seem to indicate that God hates babies. Like in the Old Testament, where the Israelites went into certain lands, like with the Canaanites, and the babies were killed. What do we do with those? God did use violence at times. There were wars. There were times when, um, when violence did happen. But here's what you can look at. Every single time, you will see God pleading. I mean, I, there's, I, I quote all the passages that you'll see this. Please change your mind. Warnings about repenting. Warnings about judgment. Don't worship false gods. All of the, some of the horrific ways of worship that they were using child sacrifice and all of these things. At, after time and warning, God did use violence with armies and attacks to cities, um, which people died. But what happens, though, is you'll see things like there's a popular meme that's out there, all different forms of it. Psalm 137, verse 9, and it talks about uh, taking, like, please have babies get dashed against the rocks, like kill babies. You'll see these verses slapped up and, uh, and used like a verse saying, like, look, God hates babies. God's into violence. You have to then take that verse. Again, it looks really horrible seeing it. Is that true? God hates babies? Uh, wants to dash them against the rocks? What does that mean? You go back, who wrote that verse? It was a psalmist that was writing after Jerusalem was destroyed. And when they were destroyed, the Babylonians would actually take babies and infants and they threw them to kill them in in war. What you'll see, it's a poem. It's a poetic expression of angst saying like, please God, you know, like we want revenge on those that were killing our children. And so you'll see that one verse used out of context put up on memes and billboards, and you have to look at to what it was. It was not a command that God was saying. It was a anguished, probably, parent whose child might have been killed, who's writing a poetic expression there. It was not God commanding that. Again, so many illustrations, that, and that's why the criticism against Christians seems like it's always like, you take the Bible out of context, you cherry pick. Most of the stuff that's going on is cherry picking the Bible the other way. We have to uh, be educating children, youth, young adults uh. in how to study the scriptures now because, uh, and not avoid these passages because they're hearing them from other places and then it's catching them off guard. And, and, and so we have to be yeah. focusing on this for, for this time. When we're talking about reading the Bible the right way, you talk about things not to do. Like, for instance, never read a Bible verse in isolation. What do you mean by that? You can take a Bible verse, pull it out of context, slap a graphic on it, uh, talk about it on TikTok or something, and miss the entire meaning of the verse. So never read a Bible verse in isolation. It's a, it's, uh, and that's a major cause of most of the issues, is reading Bible verses on their own. 
without looking at context, who wrote it, why, genre, all of those things. And, and your book's gonna help us to understand how to read the whole passage and get it all in, in context. Here's, here's another one. You, you say that, remember that the Bible was not written to us, it was written for us, but not to us. What do you mean? Yeah, all right, say like, there's a lot of criticism and mocking of Christians today with, you know, uh, Christians, you eat shrimp, you're hypocritical, you're, you're taking in all of these strange laws, the Levitical laws and all of this. And again, it's, who was it written to originally? That was written to the people of Israel after 400 years of slavery, being in slavery in Egypt, being moved in t- towards the promised land, moving towards Jerusalem where the temple is going to be built. And it was certain laws that God set in place to the people of Israel. There were dietary laws like not eating shrimp and certain practices that sound really bizarre to us, but it wouldn't have been bizarre to them. There's laws that don't make sense to us, but they would have made perfect sense to God bringing them into the people of Israel. There's examples like in 1920-something in Arizona, there's a law still in our books that say it's illegal for a, someone to keep a donkey in a bathtub, right? We read it today, that's so bizarre. You go back and you say, what was going on back then? In Arizona, in a specific town, a farmer had a donkey in a bathtub that he would keep there to have it sleep. A river uh, overflowed, moved the bathtub into a mud basin. They had a difficult time getting it out. And they basically said, Farmer John, you can't keep your donkey in a bathtub anymore. They made a law. If you lived back then, it would have made perfect sense. Today, it sounds so strange. The Bible was not written, those sections, to us, but for us to understand God. But an important thing. You then say what carried through and what didn't. Strange things about dietary laws ended, but um, morals and sexual ethics and those things actually got more intense in the New Testament. So you have to see what carried through and what didn't. Who was the Old Testament written to and why? Again, basic Bible study methods, but not being paid attention to today. And so many people are getting deceived by false understanding of scriptures that's being put out there today. So if someone is looking to read the Bible and begin to study it for the first time, are there a couple of simple principles that you would recommend to them so that they're, writing, they're reading it the right way? Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is there's so many great resources out there today um, to help you. But, you know, in the beginning of the book, I talk about what we just kind of raised up. You have to understand the Bible is, you don't read it like a single book. It's a library of books written over 1,500 years, different genres, different purposes, different audiences. You have to pay attention to that. And there's so many wonderful, great resources out there today to help you do that. But then you have to take the effort to make sure you're reading them. There's, you know, the Bible's a library, not a book. Never read a Bible verse we just mentioned. The Bible's written for us, not to us. And all the Bible points to Jesus, understanding the storyline. I can't, again, that's so critical. A resource I would recommend is the Bible Project. I don't know if you've heard of it. They have short videos. I recommend that all the time for uh, free resources online of understanding the whole Bible uh, that all points to Jesus and looking at the context, history, genre, all of those things. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today and for the work that you've put into helping our culture become better students of Scripture. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show. 